If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There have been so many tragedies in Joe Biden's disastrous administration. I don't have time to list them all. Just Google how Biden screwed me. You will be likely to get a lot of Hunter Biden videos if you do that, but you'll also get a list of all the stuff that Joe Biden has done wrong. I mean, it's Joe Biden. He's been screwing this up since he got in. So I want to focus on just the latest incident in the left's attempt to ruin all of our lives. Klondike's Choco Taco has been discontinued after almost 40 years. Allow me to repeat that in case it didn't sink in. The Choco Taco discontinued after almost 40 years. This is a bridge too far. First, they came for my Taco Bell Mexican pizza, and I did not speak up because I was already full of Mexican pizza. Then they came for my Taco Bell giant Cheez-It thing, and I did not speak up because I didn't live within 300 miles of the nearest participating location. And now this with Choco Tacos. I swear, if we find out this is because Jill Biden was racistly referring to San Antonio residents as breakfast tacos, I, I will lose my mind. They didn't shut down 7-Elevens just because Joe Biden said you had to be Indian to work there, which, in case you don't remember, he actually did do. We've been told over and over again how pro-choice Joe Biden is. Well, I don't feel very pro-choice right now. In fact, I feel pretty choiceless. How long before we've whittled down our culture to cold tortillas with shredded lettuce? I don't know. It's right around the corner. I demand justice for the Klondike Choco Taco. I demand justice for you. I demand justice for America. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Use the promo code Stu. Save yourself 10 bucks. Author Stephen Mosier is on with us tonight. His politically correct uh, guide to pandemics is out today. We'll go into that. I'll show you the plans for a futuristic new city that you'll never live in. But we start by doing the definition of recession. What a fascinating time it is. What do words mean? Do we have any idea what words mean? Let me take it back to the beginning of just some of the catastrophes that Joe Biden has brought our way. He was looking forward to passing the $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus part nine or whatever it was. There's more of those than Fast and Furious sequels. And he's getting close to passing this. And a couple of people, really prominent people from the Obama administration, including the former Treasury Secretary, step up and say, hey, uh, guys, this is going to cause some inflation. And everyone brushes them off. They say, hey, Larry Summers, you're old. I think you're white. You and you don't know what you're talking about. This is not this is transitory inflation. If anything, we all know how that one turned out. Well, Larry's back out talking again, and he's been saying some kind of important things all over again on the magical television box. Watch what he's saying and then think about the way Joe Biden and his administration are reacting to it. I think there's a very high likelihood of recession when we've been in this kind of situation before recession has essentially always followed Mm. when inflation has been high and unemployment uh, has been low. Soft landings represent a kind of triumph of hope over uh, 
experience, I think we're very unlikely uh, to see one. Mm, But other than that, we should be fine. I mean, we don't have Choco Tacos either, but recession? Nah, I mean, it can't really happen. Now, if you look at the reality of what everyone's seeing, we obviously know about the inflation. We know what the economy feels like to a lot of people. Some data is now kind of pointing out what we kind of are already feeling. For example, data from the University of Massachusetts shows more than half of older American women don't have enough income to afford basic essential expenses. More than half of older women who live alone are classified as poor under federal poverty standards or have insufficient incomes to pay for essential expenses, while 45% of men share the same financial institutions. And then, well, how do you respond to this if you're the Biden administration? What do you do? Well, you put out crap like this. Uh, At current prices, the average driver will spend $35 less per month for one person or $70 less if you have two cars than they would if gas prices stayed at their peak. So we're going to measure from the worst situation we've ever seen. We have a slight improvement off of that, and we're going to brag about it on the Twitters. That's how this is going to go down, really? Is this seriously what we're going to try to do here? It's absolutely amazing. You know, uh, the same thing, of course, um, is going to happen. And this is something I, I want to alert you to in advance. You come to me to give you the news just a few weeks or months early, because sometime over the next couple of months, we are going to get an inflation number that is lower than what is it now? Nine point two percent or nine point one percent. And what's going to happen when that number comes out? Because it will come out because gas prices have come down a little bit. Some of the top line numbers have come down a little bit. That doesn't mean that inflation has reversed. It just means that it's not quite as bad as it was last month year to year. So what we're going to see is this number come down from 9.2 or 9.1. And what we're going to see is the Biden administration brag about it. I want to mentally prepare you for that moment because it's going to be the worst moment of your life. You are going to see this old buffoon on television bragging about how we have a slight decrease off the worst numbers anybody's seen in 40 years. Prepare yourself mentally. This is going to happen. Okay. Can you imagine if we, like, it was like 107 degrees here in Dallas like a couple of days ago. Today it's like 104 We've conquered global warming. Let's brag about it on Twitter. Can you imagine how the left would uh, respond to that if Donald Trump tried to pull that one off? Probably not so positively, but this is essentially what Joe Biden is doing. Now, it is interesting to see the administration looking forward to some other numbers. We've had one negative quarter of GDP growth. We all know the typical definition that has been used by every financial journalist forever is two negative quarters in a row of GDP growth. That means it's a recession, and it's a nasty word. No one wants to hear the word recession when you're president of the United States. Everyone knows that kills you. I mean, it killed George H.W. Bush, and that was just a blip. So what happens here? How does the administration push back against this? Instead of saying, hey, let's do a better job and have a better economy, they're going to do something a little different. They're going to just redefine the word recession. Here's what they're attempting to do. This is uh, what they released the other day. It is unlikely that even the decline in GDP in the first quarter of this year, even if followed by another GDP decline in the second quarter, indicates a recession. It's it's unlikely that that means we're in a recession. Hmm. But that's how we've always shorthanded 
uh, a recession. It's not the technical definition, and that's kind of what they're trying to lean on here. But it is how we've always talked about recessions, because you have to talk about them in real time. Here is, let me just give you a few examples of the administration attempting to do this. Here's Janet Yellen trying to talk you out of what you already knew. This is not an economy that's in recession, but we're in a period of transition in which growth is slowing. And that's necessary and appropriate. And um, we need to be growing at a steady and sustainable pace. So there is a slowdown and businesses can see that. And that's appropriate given that people now have jobs and we have a strong labor market. But you don't see any of the signs now. A a recession is a broad-based contraction mm. that affects many sectors of the economy. We just don't have that. You're not seeing any of the signs of a recession other than the main thing we've all defined a recession as. <laughs> That's it. Now, we don't even know about the second quarter. My guess is the way they're speaking about it, they do know that the second quarter is going to be negative GDP growth. I think that number comes out this week. And when it does come out, if it is negative, everyone's going to say, well, this is a recession. Maybe it won't even come out negative. I don't even know. But the bottom line is people know that there is a problem here in a big way. Another problem I have here is what is the Janet Yellen accent? Do we have any idea? Has anyone ever? I could do a whole show on it. What, what, what is it? It seems like it's like half old lady school teacher, half maybe Eastern European woman, half like Brooklyn. I, I don't. It's the strangest accent. You are going to notice this every time you hear her speak from now on. Just listen to Janet Yellen and try to understand what her accent is. I really don't know. I don't know her background. I don't know what it is. But it is the strangest collection of accents I've ever heard in my life. And maybe someone can clarify this to me. If you're on YouTube, drop it in the comments right now. Maybe you know the answer. Maybe you've done this research. Maybe you've done an entire documentary already existing on Janet Yellen's accent. If you have, uh, drop a link because I definitely want to watch it. Um, Here is Joe Biden attempting the same uh, magic trick. We could be in a recession. We're not going to be in a recession, uh, in my view. Uh, we are, the employment rate is still one of the lowest we've had in history. It's in the 3.6 area. Uh, we still find ourselves with people investing. Uh, my, my hope is we go from this rapid growth to steady growth. And uh, so see, we'll see some coming down. But I don't think we're going to, uh, God willing, I don't think we're going to see a recession. Hmm. Fascinating. By the way, uh, he looks great. Uh, very lively. And uh, I'm glad everything's going well. Um, see, even CNN is, is calling them out on this. And when that happens to you and you're on a Democrat, you should feel pretty bad about it. You should kind of feel like it's obvious, right? CNN doesn't call you, out, call you out if you're doing a good job spinning the facts here, right? Here is a CNN. Uh, Chris Eliza, um, inflation affects every American directly. Yep. Uh, the Biden administration is trying to point out the, dif- the definition of a recession is nuanced. But I got to tell you, I, I struggle with this. I get that why they want to do it from a political perspective, yeah. but like you can't fake this. No, I was just I was laughing to myself with the in my view thing that Caitlin highlighted, because it's like, well, in my view, I should be drafted into the NBA. Like the <laughs> in NBA, my view, NBA executives I would didn't make agree with that. Of dollars, right. right. Like it doesn't really matter what you think. It's there's a there is a technical definition to straight quarters of negative economic growth. 
They clearly believe that that is likely to come to pass later this week. They're trying to pre-butt it. To your point, we get why they're doing it politically. Right. At the same time, we have these terms for reasons. I actually did just laugh at Chris Saliza and a joke. Um, I will say uh, he's actually not right there. It's not the technical de- definition of a recession. And this has been something that the White House is trying to exploit. Uh, you know, as somebody who goes through and looks at these annoying numbers constantly to bring you as many charts as is possible on YouTube, um, it's always been shorthand. This is economic shorthand. It is sort of like the the way people... In a, in, in a you know, friend-to-friend sort of way, in a journalist sort of way, uh, where you kind of just throw it out there and say, okay, you know, recession has been you know, traditionally talked about as two negative quarters. The, the official designation of a recession comes from the National Bureau of Economic Research. And if the NBAER says it, that's when we say it's official. Now, this is the problem, and it's something that, of course, the White House is aware of, and the, and the little glitch in the system they're trying to exploit. The NBER doesn't do this until later. They do this as almost like a historical remnant. They look back at the data when it's all finalized and say, okay, hey, we were in a recession in this period, and this is how long it lasted. If you go back to, let's say, the Great Recession, 2008, 2009, think about that period for a second. We're seeing really like strange economic data at the end of like 2007. Seems like things are turning down, but we're not in a recession. Then Bear Stearns collapses, right? And everyone's, holy crap, freaking out, but we're still not in a recession. We go through the entire summer All this bad economic data, everything seems shaky, but you know what? We're still not in a recession. Housing prices are coming down. Everything's going on. We're still not in a recession. Then finally, what was it? Lehman Brothers collapses. The entire economy is in cataclysm. Everything's falling thousands and thousands of points. And guess what? We're still not in a recession, officially. Then we go on, we go through the election and we get all the way to December or was it January? Um, It might have even been January 2009. It was at least December 2008. And then the NBER comes out and says, by the way, we are officially in a recession. And uh, we have been since December 2007. So that whole year of 2008, we were technically in a recession, but they just didn't name it until after the election. You see the little loophole they're trying to take advantage of? Now, of course, everyone, it was so obvious to everyone and everyone in the media back in 2008 that the media had no problem saying they were in a recession then. We'd had multiple quarters of negative growth and everyone was jumping on that bandwagon to make sure, you know, the Republicans didn't win the election in 2008. But the, it was not an official uh, recession until after the election. If my memory isn't fading me, uh, failing me, I remember the, elect, the recession actually started in 2007, long before it was actually declared. So that's what they're trying to do here. Their hope is if we can get around the way that everyone has talked about recession forever, that two quarters in a row of negative GDP is a recession, then we can kind of just say, well, we're just waiting for the official designation. This isn't a recession. Eventually, it probably will be named a recession, but they want to avoid that designation. Now, the reason why everyone has a, uh, a colloquial definition of recession is because if you don't have one, you can't talk about it until a year later. 
You can't say we're having these economic problems because you're waiting for this official designation that doesn't come out until afterward. It's like if a movie came out and you had to wait for the Oscars to figure out whether you should go see it or not. Well, the movie's not even in the theaters anymore, but now they've won the Oscar, so now we can think it's good. That's not the way this works. You go see the movie when it's in the theater. So all this to say, this has been used against Republicans over and over and over again, the two quarters in a row, probably most famously on George H.W. Bush going back to uh, 1992. Now, here's George H.W. Bush gets elected after the Reagan years easily. He's blowing through his uh, first term as president with with decent popularity. The Iraq war happens. His popularity shoots up to the 80 percent area. The war goes so incredibly well, it's over almost immediately. And then the media starts saying, wait a minute, we've had a quarter of negative GDP growth. Now we've had a second one. We are in recession. It's recession. It's recession. Everything's bad. Everyone's doing terribly. We're in recession. They pumped that hardcore until the election. Bill Clinton, of course, winds up winning that election. And then only later on does the NBER come in and say, not only were we in recession officially, which the media did not wait for at all. But then they said we were in recession. And oh, I should point out, it was over before Bill Clinton took office. Is that in the uh, economic history? No, we're told that Bill Clinton is the one who saved the economy. And that's, of course, what gets him elected in 1996. But it wasn't even true. And you know what? The media didn't care at all, not one little bit, about the official designation of a recession. That's not how that worked. People cared at the time about the two quarters in a row leading into an election because they wanted to use it. This time, they're trying to do the opposite magic trick. We'll see if it works. Here is uh, even Corinne Jean-Pierre attempting to do this same magic trick. And as as usual, she's trying to do it, and she does it uh, poorly. What is exactly the White House's definition of a recession? Again, we don't, we don't, I'm not going to define it from here. I'm just going to leave it to the NBER, as as we have stated, Mm. how they define uh, recession. Recession. People declare one until they have declared one. I'm just saying that we're just not going to define it. We use the indicators that the NBER, uh, uh, the National Bureau of Economic Research, have have used. We've mentioned that a few times. Um, Going to your question about how sometimes it's late. Look, I think the what we're not even I think what the point that we're trying mm, to make here is that job. we have a strong labor market, which you don't normally see in a recession. Mm-hmm. Of course, a lot of people have dropped out of the labor market. Uh, this is the type of thing they're just trying to distract you, right? I mean, uh, I mean, you can see it even more clearly in this other clip by Corinne Jean-Pierre. Nothing to see here, guys. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. This is a bizarre attempt by the government to try to manipulate the way you are thinking about the world. This is the easiest way to win. This is the easiest way to control the population. If you could just kind of redefine words constantly, well, then you don't have to stick by any of the stuff that people know. And if you're the only people who can tell them what the truth is, Well, then 
that's very convenient for you. Now, isn't it? I mean, this goes back to certainly through COVID. We saw this over and over and over again. Let me give you a clip. I don't know if you've seen this. This is from uh, New Zealand. This is uh, uh, Jacinda Ardern. And this comes from 2020. And it, 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 it sort of crystallizes the approach that Joe Biden is attempting uh, to partake in here. But this is not positive for, uh, for our country or civilization generally. Do feel free to visit at any time to clarify any rumor you may hear covid19.govt.nz. Otherwise, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. We will provide information frequently. We will share everything we can, uh, everything you are, else you see, um, a grain of salt. Uh, and so I really ask people to focus. New Zealanders must prepare, but do not panic. Prepare. And, and when you see those messages, remember that unless you hear it from us, um, it is not the truth. Unless you hear it from us, it is not the truth. Look, the truth is it doesn't really matter if the White House calls this a recession. It doesn't really matter if the NBER says it's a recession. It doesn't really matter if we keep or change the way that we've defined a recession all of this time. No matter what you call it, people feel it. That's already happening. They don't need you to tell them it is a recession. They already know it is a recession. You can spin and scam your way out of a lot of scandals and failures, but you can't spin your way out of this. This is not an economic success story. It is yet another failure from a president who has provided nothing but. Imagine having an extra day every week, more time to cook healthy meals, which is absolutely how I would spend that extra day. Uh, more time to work on the novel that you might be working on. More time to, well, let's be honest, binge on reality TV or whatever we're going to do. It's all possible now with ClickUp. ClickUp is a productivity platform that will save you one day a week on work, guaranteed. ClickUp began with a premise that productivity was broken. They were kind of like too many tools to keep track of. I have this problem all the time. Uh, too many things in entirely separate ecosystems. There had to be a more productive way to get through everything you're trying to do every day. ClickUp is the one tool uh, to house all your tasks, projects, documents, goals, spreadsheets, and more. And it's built for teams from one to a thousand. Uh, whether you're in project management, engineering, sales, marketing, or HR, ClickUp has easy-to-use solutions that create a more efficient work environment for you. And you can join more than 800,000 people who are already doing this, uh, highly productive teams that are using ClickUp today. If you use the code STU, you'll get 15% off ClickUp's massive unlimited plan for a year, meaning you can start reclaiming your time for under 5 bucks a month. Sign up today and click at ClickUp.com and use the code STU, ClickUp.com, use the code STU. Hurry up, this offer ends soon. It's ClickUp.com, the code is STU. I want to bring in Steve Mosier on the program. He is a president of Population Research Institute and author of the brand new book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics, which is out today and available wherever you get your books. Steve, how's it going? It's going well, Sue. Good to be on your show. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I, I want to start with, I, I know, you know some of the audience might know you from your writing on China, and you've written extensively on China over the years. Uh, how did all of that background help inform you as you looked at a pandemic that comes from China? 
Well, in a couple of key ways. First of all, you can never trust any numbers that come out of China uh, because they're all massaged by the Chinese Communist Party to make them look good. So <laughs> that played a role in the pandemic as well. Uh, you also have to understand, I think, as I did as a China expert, that China has a bioweapons program of long standing. They basically inherited the Japanese bioweapons program in Manchuria uh, when, when Manchuria uh, fell to them in the late 1940s, and they've been developing bioweapons ever since. In the old days, it was anthrax and things like that. Uh, since about 2000, using modern genomics, of course, it's been using gain of function research uh, taught them by uh, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and funded in part by Fauci uh, to develop to develop uh, weapons in a weapons program. Um, so and finally, there's the point of dual use uh, technology. Uh, China has a principle uh, of civil military fusion. And what that means is that any civilian technology, if it can be used for a military purpose, it is fused together and used for that purpose. So when the gain of function research uh, techniques became available to make viruses more infectious and deadly, uh, Dr. Fauci and others may have been thinking of uh, noble experiments in advancing the frontiers of human knowledge, but I guarantee you that the People's Liberation Army, and this is in their strategic writings too, this is not my speculation. In their strategic writing, they say that gain-of-function research uh, would be useful for developing bioweapons and specifically coronaviruses, specifically coronaviruses. So uh, you could see this coming. At least I saw this coming from a mile away. Mm. Well, we, we, we went through this period over the past couple of years where it was totally off limits to be able to even suggest that maybe this leaked out of a lab and some sort of uh, experiment gone awry. Uh, to the, you know, the idea that this is very, very possible. Where do you stand on the origins of this? Do you think it had something to do with the weapons program? Do you think it was something from a lab? Do you think it was natural? Well, I, I, I think, first of all, there was a great effort on, on the part of, of people in the United States to avoid pointing to the lab. I wrote in February of 2020 in the New York Post that all roads led to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And I was uh, accused of being a conspiracy theorist uh, by uh, Dr. Fauci and his group of people, all of whom received funding from Dr. Fauci himself. Uh, of course, emails now reveal that he was the one who was trying to orchestrate the view that it absolutely positively was a zoonosis. It came from a bat landing in someone's soup in the Wuhan Wet, uh, wet market uh, in the fall of 2019. And so he was actually organizing his own little, uh, I don't know, conspiracy to accuse those of us who are pointing at the lab of, of being conspiracy theorists. And, and as far as the answer to your question, it's both and. It, it, was, uh, it leaked from the lab and it was deliberately spread around the world. It leaked from the lab, I believe, during vaccine trials. They had the coronavirus already genetically engineered and they were working on a vaccine against it. That's how this is supposed to work, according to the head of China's bioweapons program, Major General Chen Wei. First, you have the spear, then you develop the shield. First, you had the virus, then you develop the vaccine. During vaccine trials, using an attenuated vaccine, uh, the virus escaped and created an epidemic in Wuhan. At that point, the Chinese Communist Party basically said to itself, we're not going to suffer through this alone. And they spread it deliberately around the world. And, and there's a history. The Chinese Communist Party has a long history of spreading pandemics around the world. They did it in 1958 they, with the Asian flu in 1968 with the Hong Kong flu. And they almost did it in 2002, 2003 with the SARS-1 coronavirus, which was a snake coronavirus 
that a snake handler, snake seller uh, in southern China in the province of Guangdong got uh, while doing his business of handling snakes. And they hid it from the world. Thousands of people were dying in China. They doctored the data. They silenced whistleblowers. Uh, and they refused to notify the World Health Organization that they had an epidemic on their hands. It was only Western intelligence, the Canadians who picked up on the fact there was an epidemic in China. Otherwise, in 2003, we would have had a SARS-1 coronavirus pandemic around the world. And when China, get this, and when the Chinese Communist Party in 2003 was called on the fact that they had, were hiding an epidemic and it was spreading to other countries, what did they say? They said a foreign agent had released a bioweapon in China. Does all that sound very familiar? <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. It's so interesting that, like, we went through this, and as you mentioned, multiple times, and part of the book is going back through the history of pandemics. It's not just yep. about, about COVID-19. But we have seen this sort of behavior from China over and over and over again. And that's what's, I think, so troubling with the idea that we were help funding this dangerous research going on there in low security type of environments. I mean, we knew if something went wrong, what the Chinese government would do, because that's what they do every single time, whether it's from you know a pandemic to their economic numbers. We know they lie about this stuff constantly, and yet we still were involved with them in this way. Yeah, and so so communist China is the great breeding ground of pandemics. Uh, the Asian flu of '58 broke out in in Guizhou Province in the southwest of China. Uh, tens of thousands of people in China lay dying, and they hid it from the world until it became a pandemic. They could have told the world that they had a problem, but they didn't until it became a global problem. Killed a million people. That would be three or four million deaths with today's population numbers. Same story in 1968 with the uh, Hong Kong flu. And now SARS coronavirus 2 has successfully crippled Western economies, caused tens of trillions of dollars in economic, economic damage, caused millions of deaths. And, and we're not demanding, for some reason, we're not demanding China pay reparations. We're not demanding access to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, we're not making China pay any consequences for this pattern of misbehavior of releasing pandemics upon the world. And if they're not called on it this time, I'm afraid they'll do it again, Stu. Mm. Yeah, it, it seems like that's the pattern, right? And we over and over again go back to the same answers and they don't seem to work. Um, let me uh, let me to switch gears to your, your piece in the New York Post. You went through the five biggest mistakes we made uh, or, or Fauci made uh, during the pandemic yeah. to put a finer point on it. And one of the big ones that, you're ta that you talk about was something that was, again, off limits to speak about. You, were, you wanted to chill, kill children and grandparents if you wanted kids to go back to school. Of course, we had to close all the schools. These poor teachers unions were crying out, please, whatever we do, we can't put these children at risk. And looking back at it now, it seems completely absurd. And I think it was absurd at the time. It, it absolutely was. I mean, I think we knew very, very early on uh, that that coronavirus was a risk to the elderly. It was a risk to the immune compromised. And uh, it wasn't a risk specifically to people in the profession of teaching. And it certainly wasn't a risk to children at all uh, who basically got very light cases. They got the sniffles from it. And we know that from Sweden. We know that from Sweden because Sweden did not lock down its schools. It did not do social distancing. It did not do masking, kept the schools open. Uh, Finland next door closed their schools. And yet Finland and Sweden 
had the same rates of COVID illness among the kids, very few hospitalizations, had the same rates of COVID illness among the teachers, very few hospitalizations. And so what does that tell you? Perfectly controlled natural experiment told you that keeping the schools open did not harm the students and it did not harm the teachers. I'm afraid the teachers unions were thinking of uh, how nice a one year long vacation would be and so decided to use this as a pretext for taking one. But the kids, you know, have suffered. Look, if, if educational level is reflected in lifespans, uh, the high, more highly educated you are, the longer you live. Our kids have been deprived of a year or two of education, which in itself will lower lifespans over the course of, of their lives. And they've been harmed in other ways as well, as, as everyone knows by now, too late. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, very true. The, uh, this is, the, the book is part of a, a long series. It's been going on forever, The politi- Politically Incorrect Guide to, and then all sorts of different topics. I've read several of them over the years, and they're really, really good. And they're fun, too. They're, it's, it's, it's an interesting read. It's not just, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you have all the facts in there, but it's also a really fun read. Um, one thing you, I think is really interesting about this particular pandemic, as we look back at it, We've talked to uh, people uh, from First Liberty Institute about a lot of this over the years. They've been working hard to fight back against all the religious persecution that went on. And it seemed like Christians in particular were targeted throughout this. Closing down houses of worship, to me, something that is blatantly unconstitutional. I don't care what's going on. I mean, like, this is uh, core to the First Amendment. Uh, Why 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 were Christians so targeted uh, during this pandemic? Or am, am I getting that wrong? No, I think Christians absolutely were targeted in this pandemic by a gentleman and his colleagues, a gentleman who was described by Senator Tom Cotton as a political activist in a white lab coat. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you see, Stu, in looking back in history is that in every pandemic experienced uh, through through the ages, through the centuries, Christians were on the front lines uh, saving people, uh, nursing people back to health during the bubonic plague, smallpox epidemics, the, the Antonine plague uh, of, of the sixth century. Christians were always there uh, again and again helping. They were praying, they were doing the work. And yet in this pandemic, oddly enough, uh, we were not only shut out, uh, we were a- actively persecuted by having our churches closed. And I think we'd be, would have been arguably better off if, if we had uh, done what we had done down through the ages, um, let Christians act on uh, their impulse to help their neighbor, to love their neighbor, and not lock them in their homes. Uh, and it, it has to be, if you, if you look at the, the various groups that were harmed by the lockdowns, you see small business, you see Christians, and you wonder at the end of the day if, if their real, real crime wasn't just voting the wrong way. That's why they were targeted. Mm. Steve Mosher, uh, Mosher, he's the president of a Population Research Institute and author of the new book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. It's available now. Make sure you grab a copy of it today. Steve, thanks so much for coming on the program. I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, if you're buying or selling a home, you already know it's stressful. You already know all the things that can go wrong in that process. I have a family member going through a house sale right now, and it's just like, 
How do you find the right things to do? How do you get this on the market the quickest way possible? Are we close to the end of this big market uptick that we've seen over the past couple of years? What's going on? You've got to have a great real estate agent to walk you through that entire process. And the place to go to find that person is Real Estate Agents I Trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place uh, that Glenn started years ago uh, to help you find the best real estate agent in your area, whether you're buying a home or selling a home or moving across the country or moving just a few streets down. Realestateagentsitrust.com can help you walk through that entire process and make sure that you get the best deal on either side of that transaction. You need someone fighting on your side. That's especially true. A lot of people think about, of course, we have a real estate agent. We're selling our house. But when you're buying your house, you need to have someone on your side as well. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. They will contact you, make an introduction to the best agent in your area. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. There was a head, I have to, we have to do a monologue on all the crappy abortion coverage that's going on right now. There was a, a literal headline I saw today that said that the pro-life movement has its roots in great replacement theory which is this theory that, you know, I guess white people don't want minorities to replace us. Uh, the Jews will not replace us thing from Charlottesville. How, I, again, like there are a lot of dumb points, but could that be the dumbest point of them all? Literally, we're arguing for tens of millions of minorities to be born. We are actually asking you for tens of millions of people to be born to potentially replace us. Uh, I don't understand. We have to get into that maybe uh, later this week. It's been over a month now since Roe versus Wade was overturned. And we have our 624-22 gear available now on the site. StuDoesAmerica.com is, of course, our site. You can go to StuDoesMerch.com to go directly to the merchandise stuff. 624-22. It's the date that the big change happened finally after all of these years. If you use the code Stu10, you can save 10% off. It's a nice way to make a subtle statement. I know it's all about great replacement theory for you guys, but in case you don't want to say, I heart great replacement theory, maybe you'd enjoy 624-22 merch instead. It's stewdoesmerch.com. Code is stew10. Whatever you think, we're not going in to a recession. That's not happening. There's no such thing as a recession. Is there even a definition of that crazy word? I don't know. When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of, I don't know, inflation, recession. Uh, Janet Yellen is now saying that there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices. And she used that in a very weird, strange accent, which I, I don't understand her accent. Um, look, we knew that inflation was coming. We knew that recession was underway. Um, and people who invested in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group uh, were had their antenna up a long time ago. Uh, if you are one of them, good for you. Uh, it's going pretty well. Uh, if you are protecting uh, your savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying your 401k or IRA into gold, physical gold with Birch Gold, hey, 
This makes a lot of sense. Now, you got to understand it. It's obviously a, an important investment. You need to make sure you're doing uh, your own homework and understand what you're doing here. Um, but the best way is to get started with some information. If you text STU to 989898, you'll get a free info kit about diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, uh, it's Birch Gold. Text STU to 989898. That's my name, STU. STU to 989898, and you get real help from Birch Gold today. It's text the word STU to 989898. Get your free, no obligation info on protecting your savings with Birch Gold. It's Birch Gold. It's kind of hot outside. This is what happens in summer. You know, it's, it's this kind of period of the year where the, like it gets really warm. It's warmer at this part of the year than other parts uh, of the year. So wherever you are, look for this next. Let's just remember for next year. Next year, this time of year will be a time it's warmer. And then we won't have to have all this craziness in the news. Uh, The White House is addressing this, and you should know this. They have a fact sheet out. Ten ways the Biden and Harris administration is responding to extreme heat. And you might say, we turn on the air conditioning of the White House. I mean, that should be one of the steps. No, it's mostly just spending your money on a bunch of nonsense. Like, for example, uh, uh, they are now uh, trying to protect indoor and outdoor workers from heat stress. And they've conducted over 500 heat related inspections. And when they went on these inspections, I assume they found it was warm especially the outdoor workers in the summer. Um, Now, of course, when you're sending 500 uh, people to uh, investigate the the heat, you're then just sending additional people into the heat. So I don't know exactly how that works. They also, though, are leveraging nature to cool down cities. That's an actual quote, leveraging nature to cool down cities. I guess we don't need any of the global warming stuff. We can just leverage nature to cool down cities. Or, totally different approach, do the approach of Saudi Arabia. This is being... uh, I'm going to show you this video. This is being uh, described as an eco project. This is a this is going to be good for the environment, supposedly. It's a building and it's a very big building. In fact, you might say it was a very tall. It's pretty darn tall. But more impressively than that, it's really, really long. Watch this. For too long, humanity has existed within dysfunctional and polluted cities that ignore nature. Now, a revolution in civilization is taking place. Sound good. Imagine a traditional city and consolidating its footprint, designing to protect and enhance nature. The line will be home to 9 million residents and will be built with a footprint of just 34 square kilometers. 34 kilometers? And we are designing it to provide a healthier, more sustainable quality of life. The line's communities are organized in three dimensions. Residents have access to all their daily needs within five-minute walk neighborhoods. And the line's infrastructure makes it possible to travel end-to-end in 20 minutes with Mm. no need for cars, resulting in zero carbon emissions. Mm. By leveraging AI technology, services are autonomous, saving you time and effort. Designed by world-leading architects, the line is 500 meters tall, 200 meters wide, 170 kilometers long, and housed within an elegant mirror glass facade. Intelligent solutions create efficiency and year-round temperate microclimate with natural ventilation 
energy and water supplies are 100% renewable. Of course. The line is designed as a series of unique communities, offering a wealth of amenities, providing equitable views and immediate access to the surrounding nature. Equitable views. With 40% of the world accessible within six hours at the heart of the globe's key trade routes, a place for commerce and communities to thrive like nothing on earth seen before. The Line. The city that delivers new wonders for the world. 170 kilometers long. Look, I don't know. Maybe this is some promotion for some sci-fi movie that's coming out soon. Would not be surprised at all. But if it's real, it's freaking bonkers and I love it. I want a 170 kilometer building and I want them to argue it's environmental. That's why it's just the environment. Nine million people in one building. It's environmentally safe. I love it. I hear what you're thinking right now. You're saying, hey, uh, what can I do for you, Stu? How can I make your life better? And the, really the answer to that is, of course, subscribing to the podcast. Uh, go to the YouTube channel. Make sure you uh, click like on the YouTube video. If you're watching it right now, click like right now. We'd really appreciate you doing that. It helps the show spread. And, of course, subscribe to Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash Stu. Promo code is Stu to be a member of Blaze TV. By the way, big COVID-19 special going on tonight on Blaze TV. Don't miss that with Sarah Gonzalez, Daniel Horowitz, Steve Dace, our good friends. Check it out tonight on Blaze TV. We'll see you tomorrow.